Formed in 1980, the Drevo Ensemble takes its name from this song, Tree, which was found in a village in eastern Ukraine. The tree, described here, symbolizes life and the earth. Its leaves are the men, its flowers the women. A crow in the tree tells of the death of a Cossack. The spirit of Ukraine is embodied by the Cossacks, originally farmers who banded together to resist both invading Turkish armies and Russian domination. Even after Russian Empress Catherine the Great disbanded their main stronghold, their heritage of proud independence in Ukraine endured. That from the Ellipsis Arts collection titled Unblocked. Music has always been an important part of Maria Kuvitka's life. Before the war, she worked as a costume designer in Ukrainian film, traveling frequently across the country to gather inspiration for her designs. Along the way, she collected traditional songs and sounds from Ukraine's disparate regions. After Russia's full-scale invasion of the country, Kuvitska, in shock and out of a job, sought refuge in the folk songs she had compiled. It was like therapy for me, she said. Listening to them, you got the sense that Ukrainians were doing exactly the same thing for hundreds of years. They were under attack from Russia, and you realize that if they can survive it, we can too. Listening to music gives her a real sense of hope. Kovitka is a singer-songwriter now and one of scores of Ukrainian artists who've risen to prominence since the invasion. Her most well-known song, which she wrote about someone she lost, has resonated widely with people often writing to her saying it's helped them work through their own pain. Music helps you fight but it also helps you cry, she said. A lot of Ukrainians do not cry. They don't have time, or they are trying to be strong all the time. Music opens you up, Kuvitka says. That report from Francesca Abel and Kostyantin Kudov in the Washington Post just last week on August 9th. Their story underlines the importance of music in the lives of those in war-torn Ukraine and the long tradition of music in community around the world. Music to mark festivals and celebrations and solemn occasions, to stir the spirits of soldiers then and now, to bring people together. Embodied especially here in the States in community bands. As we learn, this band, the Allentown Band, is the oldest civilian concert band in America, and it's played a continuously active role in the musical life and cultural fabric of the community since its first documented performance on July 4th, 1828. 2023, then, marks the Allentown Band's 195th anniversary. How fitting, then, that the Allentown Band, in partnership with Miller Symphony Hall, 
will offer a program titled For Ukraine, a concert of remembrance and hope as a celebration of Ukraine Independence Day. A band that has a tradition nearly 200 years long of building community, entertaining the community, comforting the community, and rallying the community in times of trouble and joy. Ronald Demke has been conductor of the Allentown Band for nearly 60 years, and we had a chance to speak with him about the band's history and the special benefit performance on August 25th. This is the uh, band's 195th year. Uh, The band first performed uh, in July of 1828 and has been in continuous existence uh, since that time. So this is a a banner year for the band in, in, in that we're celebrating the 195th anniversary year. It's really uh, quite a quite an institution, uh, and we've really been very very fortunate to maintain the the standards that have you know that have been set. We just feel like we're we're standing on the shoulders of so many, and just do the best we can in uh, in keeping the tradition alive. People in England probably understand what bands in a community mean. Do we here in the states understand what the tradition of community bands is? I think we do, although. A hundred years ago was much more prevalent. Uh, Every community in the country had a band. Uh, I mean, we're talking about before radio and television and automobiles and and all of that. The the band was really a a focal point and uh, in many regards brought culture to the community. They would frequently play transcriptions of orchestral music and keyboard music and, you know, was a real source of culture. Not to mention the fact that it was really community. I mean, everybody, so many people participated. It was really very common, even in the smallest villages, to have to have bands. And what have you noticed when you've seen and viewed the situation in Ukraine about the role that music has been playing in the war-torn country? Well, I think music has the ability to... Uh, transcend uh, words in many ways. It'll, it, it certainly evokes emotion and uh, allows us to reflect and remember and hope. As a matter of fact, that's what we're basing the whole program on, remembrance and hope, and uh, using many of the familiar things that we're very, very familiar with, uh, classic musical things, but also bringing unfamiliar and new music to the scene. So it's a, it's a variety of things that we've chosen to use on this program. And how did the idea for the Concert of Remembrance come about? How is it that you're able to bring these forces together in this wonderful array of music? Well, back on the first anniversary of the war, the Metropolitan Opera did a program, so we really uh, piggybacked on that concept of remembrance and hope. So we decided to use that title and that theme in our program here, and it's in conjunction with... Ukrainian uh, Independence Day, which is on the 24th of August. So I thought the timing was was just right to tie that in, and then also to hopefully raise funds for the humanitarian efforts of the people of Ukraine. Were these pieces going around in your head once you decided to produce a concert? You or saying, oh, I know Lysenko, and what about Finlandia? Well, yes, of course. It took some time. The gestation period was after we decided to do the concert itself, and I thought, well, gee, what would really be appropriate? So you nailed it. Finlandia came to mind immediately because that piece, of course, was symbolic of a nation that was under the oppression, at least the free press was under the oppression of Tsarist Russia. So we had a foreign entity more or less controlling 
a country. And then Sibelius wrote this wonderful work, Finlandia, which was a, an instant hit. It, it, it was music, a rather short piece. It expressed the turbulence of people fighting adversity and all of that. And then it ended in that sublime hymn that everyone knows, the hymn in Finlandia, which a lot of people thought was a folk song, but every note of that piece was written by Sibelius. It was very, very popular. Uh, a funny anecdote about Finlandia is that it sort of haunted Sibelius in that Finlandia became perhaps his most uh, popular work, and it frustrated him a little bit in that it took precedence over what he felt was more substantial music that he uh, wrote. And it's not uncommon. Ravel suffered the same thing with uh, Bolero. Bolero was always requested, and yet he felt that it superseded uh, many of his other more substantial works, just as Percy Granger with Country Gardens. It's just a, a great piece of music. It's only about eight minutes long, and it's one of the pieces on the program, by the way, that um, we're adding the organ. We have Rudy Lucenti with us as a concert organist, well-renowned. He's concert organist for the Wanamaker Organ in Philadelphia. He plays the large organ at Atlantic City Convention Hall. He has his own large program in, the, in Doylestown. He'll be joining the band on four selections, and uh, this, of course, is one of them, Finlandia. It's going to be a big sound. I did want to mention, though, that that's not the first piece on the program. I think it's really appropriate that we start with music of a Ukrainian composer. And uh, it wasn't very long ago that we found this. I've been looking for something that was uh, transcribed and appropriate for this program. And uh, very fortunately, we found a recent transcription of the overture to Taras Bulba. Uh, this is an opera that was written by Mikhailo Lysenko. And uh, he was a very famous Ukrainian musician, composer, pianist, musicologist. He taught at Kiev. And he wrote this opera, and uh, it's based on a novel, Taras Bulba. And it's transcribed by recently by an Air Force musician by the name of uh, Jeremy Martin. And uh, it just works really, really well for band. It's a great piece. Uh, you know, he, he was contemporary. Of, Lushenko was a contemporary of Tchaikovsky. And when he completed this opera, which took him 10 years, he played the entire thing for Tchaikovsky. And uh, Tchaikovsky apparently listened to the whole thing very intently and uh, really enjoyed the, the piece, especially when Lushenko referred to Ukrainian folk idiom. It just, uh, just seemed to work really well. And then another one, a prayer for Ukraine. Is that choral? Well, it would be. As a matter of fact, it was written for a children's chorus in mind, but we're, we're actually playing a transcription, a band transcription of it, and, it's, and it still works really well. We'll also add organ to that as well, so that's going to be very moving. But that has become kind of the spiritual anthem of Ukraine. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful hymn, and uh, I think it's a nice contrast to the opening uh, overture. If we have been paying attention to the world of wind bands, we know the name of Johann de May and the works that have been conducted by him or created by him. Symphony Number no. 1 is one that maybe we know about because of its connection with the world of fantasy. Is he someone you know? Absolutely. You've really done your homework because that Symphony Number no. 1, which is also the Lord of the Rings, literally made his career. Uh, Johan has become a good friend of the Allentown Band. Uh, we have commissioned to work um, five years ago for the band's 190th anniversary. It was a six-movement work uh, which we premiered here in Bethlehem. 
He wanted to do a folk song medley, and we could not find folk songs that he really wanted to use. So he invented them, and he called them faux songs, F-A-U-X. And <laughs> they're, it's just a delightful little uh, piece. But again, uh, we know Johan, we've had him guest conduct the band when the band appeared in Carnegie Hall, two of our four performances there, and uh, has have grown to be a, a good friend. So the good news for us, the good fortune for us, is that he actually expressed interest in conducting this piece when he learned that we were doing it, which I think is a real credit to the Allentown band that he would uh, like doing this, because this is performed literally all over the world. And it's so special in so many ways. It's written featuring mezzo-soprano, and we have a world-class mezzo with us, uh, Patricia Risley, who has sung at the Metropolitan Opera and opera houses all over the country. Uh, children's chorus, and it's the wonderful bel canto chorus of the Bach Choir in Bethlehem uh, will be with us. And then to have the composer conduct it himself just makes it very, very special. And the theme as you say, all ties into this concert of remembrance and hope, so expressing loss and hope in these movements. Yes, exactly. Um, Actually, the first four movements are uh, of loss. Uh, It's interesting, a little background on this this symphony. He wrote this symphony at the request of the South Tyrol Wind Orchestra in Italy, and ironically, it's in Ilbiaco, Italy, of the southern Tyrol, which is really in the Alps. It's southern Tyrol, but it's northern Italy. And it's a place that Mahler frequently vacationed. So currently, the uh, town has an annual festival, Mahler Festival. So he wrote this piece at the request of that wind symphony and was premiered 10 years ago at the Mahler Festival in uh, Bacchio. So uh, it has that little uh, connection. But again, the text that he used for the Symphony of Songs, this subtitled Symphony of Songs, is based on three German poets who uh, Mahler also used, Friedrich Rucker, Hugo Hoffmannsthal, and Heinrich Wein. And the first movement is A Year Now Has Passed, and the second, When Your Dear Mother and then the third reunion are all based on poems by Rooker. The first is the Intertoten Leader. It's very, 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 very sad, actually, text on uh, loss. And then the fourth movement is Two Brothers. That was uh, based on the lyrics of Hein, and that has to do with two brothers fighting and, um, and again, loss. And then we finally reach hope and springtime, and that is the fifth is really literally early spring. And then the last one transposes to a little song of the Harlequin. The mezzo sings the entire symphony. The children's chorus joins us on movements two, three, and six. I love the fact that you provided the context, the echoes with Mahler and so forth, because you're going to play Mahler later on. You're right. So, uh, yes, um, that takes care of the first half, and 32 minutes of which is really the symphony. It's really, the symphony is the centerpiece of this entire concert because it so graphically demonstrates remembrance and hope. So that, that takes us up to the uh, second half. And then we open with really two pieces, very short pieces, by local composers. Uh, one is Ron DeGrandis, who's a violist in the Allentown Symphony, and he wrote what he uh, entitles uh, A Flea for Ukraine. And what he's hoping to uh, display there is optimism and uh, a reasonable conclusion, really, to the hope of the future of the Ukrainian people. And then the next one uh, is by uh, Larry Kursar, also a former teacher. Both Ron and Larry were 
school teachers before retirement. And uh, Ray did some very interesting things with his piece. He used a very popular folk song, uh, Ukrainian folk song entitled Shadrik. And this piece we know as a Christmas song, Ring Christmas Bells. Dum, da, da, dum, dum. And the reason it's Ring Christmas Bells is Peter Wilkowski heard the Ukrainian National Chorus sing this in Carnegie Hall uh, when they were on the national tour years ago and loved the piece, but used English words that really fit that rhythm. And, of course, they did because, you know, we can't say the title without thinking the tune or, or humming it. And then the second part of the piece that Larry wrote is Chervena Kelina. And that is a piece that was composed and has become one of the most significant anthems, really, of Ukraine. It's, it's a, sort of an unofficial anthem, very similar to what we would might refer to as God Bless America. It's something that's really important to the Ukrainian people. And he wove these two pieces together and made it his own, so I think it's really interesting. And there again, we have two pieces, if not the symphony, that are new to people in addition to the classics that we programmed. And then, just like we might know Finlandia, we know the Great Gate. Yes, absolutely. It's another, another magnificent piece of music. And again, we have the good fortune to have the Allen organ with us. They're, they're installing an organ for this program, and uh, we will be using the organ on this piece as well. And you just imagine the wall of sound that we're going to have with the 50-piece band and the organ. It's just going to be uh, magnificent. I think it's lovely that you can go to pieces that aren't particularly directed at Ukraine, like the special ones that have been written for this situation, but you can go to the tradition and Mahler and Beethoven and find music that addresses those emotions, as you were saying at the start, how music can be deeper than words sometimes and express an emotion without even being connected to the current day. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the next piece on the program, for example, the, the finale to uh, Mahler's Symphony Number no. 3, and, and so often we think of a finale as being bombastic and, and fast-moving and you know, all of that. This is just the opposite. It's really, uh, it's practically a hymn. And uh, Mahler wrote this sort of as a finale in, in that he was thinking about nature and love and all of that. And it doesn't have to be a program symphony or program piece, but when you listen to this, I think it, it offers you the opportunity for reflection and, and uh, introspection and then also what, what is to come, uh, resilience and aspiration. So it's, it's really a very, very moving piece, and it, and it transcribes well. The, the program is really half made up of music that was written for orchestra and transcribed, and then the other half is written for band, literally. This is a transcription that I think works very, very well for band. There's an arc to the program, and you, you don't leave us with despair or discouragement, because then you bring us to Beethoven, and we all know the da-da-da-dum, the opening. Symphony number no. 5 is referred to quite often as the Faith Symphony, and it's and, uh, his struggle with uh, perhaps depression or whatever. But wow, does it end with uh, triumph and victory. In fact, victory is most often used when I read program notes about the uh, finale to Symphony Number no. 5. And it's just a joyous show of, um, of hope. And then, of course, the Ukrainian national anthem. All the forces we have to bear on Sunday will be there. Uh, we have uh, a transcription for band. 
the organ will be added, and also the bel canto chorus will rejoin us for the finale, and they'll be singing it. We invite anybody in the audience who happens to know the Ukrainian national anthem to join us as well. But yes, it will it will end with that tribute to Ukraine, their national anthem, and we just hope that everybody gets to hear about it and is able to join us. We uh, we think it's a very special project, and we we just welcome everybody to come. Ronald Demke, longtime conductor of the Allentown Band, marking its 195th anniversary this year, speaking with us about the band's history and the special benefit performance on Sunday, August 20th at 3 in the afternoon, presented by Miller Symphony Hall in Allentown and the Allentown Band, and the title, For Ukraine, A Concert of Remembrance and Hope. It will celebrate Ukraine Independence Day, which is August 24th. There will be special guests, Rudy Lucenti, assistant organist at the Grand Court Organ in Macy's in Philadelphia, the staff organist of the Boardwalk Hall Organ in Atlantic City, and director of sacred music at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church in Doylestown. And he will be performing on a specially installed Allen organ. And also, mezzo-soprano Patricia Risley will be featured in Symphony No. 4, the Symphony of Songs by Johann de May, and that work will be conducted by the composer and the bel canto youth chorus of the Bach Choir of Bethlehem, conducted by Dr. Christopher Jackson, will be the ensemble for the de May work. And also, there will be the works that are like this, an orchestral piece, the finale of Beethoven's Symphony No. 5, that will be in uh, transcription for band. And then those special pieces, the Taras Bulba Overture and the Prayer for Ukraine, Finlandia by Sibelius, a plea for Ukraine and a tribute to Ukraine by regional composers, and the Great Gate of Kiev, or Kiev, from pictures at an exhibition by Mozorsky, and the sixth movement of Mahler's Symphony Number no. 3. Proceeds from the concert will go directly toward helping the people of Ukraine who are facing challenges and hardships difficult to imagine. And it's for Ukraine, a concert of remembrance and hope on Sunday, August 20th at 3 p.m. at Miller Symphony Hall in Allentown, featuring the Allentown Band and Friends. For more information, allentownband.com. <laughs> <laughs> 